Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Lifehouse family, one more time. We are starting today a brand new sermon series called This. Everyone say this. Must be stronger than that. You can get with this. Well, you, I'm sorry. This is one of the best songs ever. We could not do this sermon series and not throw this song in there. It, it, it was just way too perfect. I was like, Mike, we got to throw that in there somewhere. Put it in, in there, right? But look, man, we are in a very unique time. As a church, what you just saw in that bumper video is really, unfortunately, how many people see today's church. Bible thumpers. White. (laughs) Black. Separated. Racial divides. Um, Hypocrites. Saying one thing. And doing something else. The stats do not show a very promising future for the church. People would probably actually say, um, it's a rough season for the church. I've had people in those times where where you kind of like in conversation and somebody asks you, what do you do? I get the joy of saying, I'm a pastor. And more times than not, people almost get this, like, sad look on their face. Like, ugh, sucks to be you right now. <laughs> Why? Because what do they hear on their Fox CNN news, news stations? They hear priests getting caught inappropriately touching children. You, you, you have... People asking for millions and millions of dollars to have a private jet. You have preachers and pastors, famous, famous ones, ones that have thousands of people in their church. And scandal comes out, and there has been financial mismanagement. There has been sexual promiscuity. There has been abuses, and I mean, the list could go on. And this is the climate that we are now in. Stats show this. Someone's phone needs to be found, so just to let you know. Um, Somebody is buzzing their phone. Um, Get this. Only 28% of people between the ages of 23 and 37 go to church. 50% of people asked can't find a positive impact that the church brings to a community. 60% of people, 23 through 37, who grew up in the church. These are kids in children's ministry. These were kids in youth groups. 60% of people, 23 through 37, who grew up in the church are leaving or have left. 85% of churches right now in this country are plateaued or declining. If you were in any other business, if you were in any other market, 
let's say you were in clothing sales. And it was like, hey, 85% of everything you're doing is failing or has peaked. It's not looking good. Why, though? Why, why are we in this supposedly Christian nation, right, which is kind of what we want to be labeled? Why in this Christian, la- Christian nation have we found ourselves in this position where in many ways, honestly, the church seems like it's losing? Well, first off, I've kind of broken it down to four different things. Hip- hypocrisy. Worlds like, we didn't make up morals. Y'all did. And y'all talk about them and talk about them and talk about them, but y'all don't even follow them. So why are we going to want to join something where it's mostly founded on what you say instead of what you do? I can just say, man, how many people have, have you talked to? Their big gripe with the church isn't what the church says, it's what the church does. We talk a very good game, but don't do a very good job of living it out. Secondly, powerlessness. Well, if God's so powerful, why, why aren't people getting healed? Where's the power? Where's the strength of God? You claim God is this all-powerful. Where's he at? We can look, Scripture, Book of Acts, we can see early church. It's a whole lot different than how things are right now. We can see there, there was healings, miracles, signs, wonders happening. Where are those at now? Thirdly, individualism. Where's the community? You have people out, out, outside looking inside and saying, I see how you even treat your own people. I see how you even treat those other brothers and sisters. It's kind of gone from be about community now to where it's all about me, myself, and I. How can I get ahead? How can I be successful? How can I, 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 I? Fourthly, project self. We've pretty much turned, now, you know, let's just be honest. Our culture is now a what makes me happy culture. It's not about what glorifies God. It is now about what makes me happy. So now self has been glorified and God has been de-glorified. So now the thought is God exists to glorify me. We say God exists to get you towards your dreams. Just put your faith in God and God will give you what you, what you want. People sniff that out and see that. They see sacrifice. Nope, when stuff gets hard, you you bail. If it doesn't benefit you, you're gone. So honestly, in many ways, I, we can't deny this. We can't just turn a blind eye to it and just be like, yeah, well, you know. But no, it's true. You throw in there the crusades where people kill people in the name of Christ. What Bible were they reading? You see now racism worked its way into the church? What Bible were they reading? It's a tough season right now, y'all. We can't deny this about the church. 
And I think sometimes what we want to do is just scoop it under the rug. Well, well, well you know, it's just, well, that's, that's, yeah, it was the past, but we can't, we, well, we got to stop denying it. We've got to own it. We've got to say, how have we contributed to that? We can't deny it. However, it shouldn't define us. I want y'all to get that. We can't deny it. However, it should not define our future either. We can't deny the church's past, but we shouldn't let the past determine and define what our future can be. Because let me tell you this, y'all. The church was born to win. The church was born. The church was created. The church was God's idea to be a force in this world. Matthew 16, 18, we see Jesus when he's talking Peter, who's this hot, hothead apostle. Peter was the foot-in-mouth disciple. He said the dumbest thing first. Do y'all friends like that? You know if you bring them somewhere, they're going to be the one saying something dumb at the wrong time? That was Peter. And Jesus looked at him, and Jesus said, I'm going to build the church on people like you. And do you know what? This church that I am building, not even hell can stand against it. It was born to win. Ephesians 3. You see Paul, he's, I mean, Paul is trying to explain to this church that he planted the, the beauty of it. He says this, he says his intent, his being God, his intent was that now, that means now, that now back then also means the now now, that through the church, through the church, like not through televangelists, not through People that claim to be something that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities and the heavenlyers, basically to the world, saying God through the church wanted to show the manifold wisdom. What does that word manifold mean? It's actually a beautiful word. It could actually be translated to different sides of or different colors of. Think about a flag with multiple colors. Think about a, a diamond with with, with, a, with a bunch of different sides that whenever you see it, you see something new. It was saying that through the church, the manifold, the beautiful, the, the bright side of God should be made known. Can we say that's happening right now? No. We can't deny the past, but we also, if we're going to see what the future was actually for, that it was born to win. That through the church, Jesus was supposed to make himself known. The only way that we're going to see those things happen is if we acknowledge the past but gain a bigger vision for the future. About what the church, not was, but about what the church can be. I can't get away from the church, y'all. I'm a church junkie. Just because I'm a pastor either. Some of y'all, well, yeah, you're a pastor. I've seen pastors that don't like the church. <laughs> Flat out, it's a job to them. It is, it is a vocation. And I tell you what, I've seen pastors ride the gravy train. Flat out. It can be a good gig, and you can actually shield yourself from people's pain and shield yourself and put yourself on this pedestal and take advantage of people very easy. I've seen it. I've seen it. But I can't get away from the haunting 
image of what the church can be and what the church is right now. My passion and heart isn't just for this church, it's for the church. It isn't just to see the church just do what, honestly, m- many teams do. It's, it's, it's called or, um, uh, tanking. You ever seen that? L.A. Lakers, right now. If y'all know sports, shutting LeBron down, shutting Lonzo Ball down, shutting all their good players down because they know this season's gone. They ain't making the playoffs. I don't know how you can be the GOAT and not take a team to the playoffs. I'm just saying. I don't know of any team Jordan didn't at least go to the playoffs. I'm sorry. Did I say that? But I can't get away from the potential of the church. And I believe that what we need as a church corporately and as a church individually is to be reawakened to the purpose, the beauty, and potential of the church. It's got to start with vision. It's got to start with how you see the church. Do you see it from culture's view or do you see it from God's view? Do you see the church from 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 the lens of what culture says and what's going on in culture and what the church has been? Or do you see it from God's viewpoint and say, what is the potential if these people just get it? That's what I see. And let me tell you, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to start in this church that when, that when I talk with them, meet with them and hear their stories they talk about so much how the church has hurt them they've been disenfranchised they've been disappointed they they say things like i love jesus but not the church or they come on sundays but they keep everybody and everything at arm's length because they've been hurt and i don't take that lightly because i know the expectation is that the church is supposed to represent god and when you have that expectation and that expectation is dashed you project onto the church you project that onto the church and it creates hurt and the problem with that is we can let past experiences jade our future potential this happens all the time in relationships somebody hurts you you bring that hurt into a different relationship that is actually life-giving and you project while this person hurt you and you project it onto a person that doesn't want to actually hurt hurt you they want to actually bless you but because you have been wounded you've been be you've also become jaded and i believe we have a generation of people that don't know about the church they've just been in church and they were hurt they've been disenfranchised or they thought it was irrelevant but what i don't want to happen to us whether you've been hurt by the church, and I'm supposed to say you've been hurt by the church, disenfranchised, whatever. I just wanna, I wanna say I'm sorry on behalf of the church. From the bottom of my heart, the church isn't perfect. It's made up of a bunch of imperfect people like myself that are a work in progress. But my heart for you is to not take a past hurt and project it onto future potential. I know you were hurt. I know you were in a group and somebody violated your trust. And now you're saying, I could never get vulnerable with people again. You're also keeping yourself from something that has the greatest potential to bring breakthrough in your life. Some of you say, I'm never giving another dollar to a church. Why? Because my pastor, he had a a building campaign, a building project. 
for 15 years, and I never saw a doorknob put on the church. That, that was Steve Harvey. That's one of my favorite Steve Harvey joints. You know, it's just, it's just like, you know, my pastor. Hit a building campaign for 15 years. I never saw a doorknob put on that church. But, but now you say, I'm never giving a dollar to the church because they're just going to, you know, the pastor's going to get a nicer car. My concern is that we're stuck looking behind us, and we've missed the potential that could be unleashed. So my prayer today is that we, what can be, would be stronger than what has been. We'll say that one more time. My prayer today is that your vision for the church, what can be, would be stronger than what has been. I don't know if that's for you personally or maybe it's just kind of the view you have. But that what can be the potential of the church would be stronger than what has been. God loves the church, y'all. In scripture, we see four different metaphors of how these different metaphors stir the imagination to see the church as God does. And we're going to dive into those four things. of the, the four different metaphors talked about in scripture about how God views the church. First off, as, as a bride, God views his church as being a bride. Now, I know, fellas, tr trust me, I've been there. When, when God says, you're like a bride, doesn't really conjure up a whole lot of like, yes, I'm a bride. Woo! You know, it, it, you know, that sort of just like imagery doesn't really stir many, many men. It's, it's just kind of be like, oh, okay, like, what, what, what does that actually, actually mean? And we can be really uncomfortable with that terminology, but honestly, we need to get comfortable with it. The Bible begins with a wedding and ends with a wedding. Ephesians 5, we actually see the Paul, when he was describing the relationship between Christ and the church, he used a marriage. And basically what God is showing us here with this whole idea of us being a bride is it shows God's passion for his people. It shows that God is passionate to have a people that he calls his own, that he chooses. Do you know that God chose you? God's passion for you is so strong. I mean, have, have you ever seen a couple that's in love? There's a lot of pursuing going on. There's a lot of date nights going on. There's a lot of flowers being sent. There's a lot of chocolates being, there's a lot of text messages being sent. There's a lot of passion, a lot of pursuit going on. And what is that guy doing with it? He's trying to show her, I love you. Whenever he gets down and pops that one question, he's saying, I choose you. And that's what God does with his church, y'all. He says, I choose you. Those that follow Christ, those are a part of his church. He says, I choose you. Have you ever thought about the fact that God chose you? Let's just be honest, despite many times our unfaithfulness,
That's what is so powerful about this is that God views his church as chosen. He says, I choose you over anybody. His passion for us is so strong that even our unfaithfulness won't keep him from keeping his faithfulness. Because, y'all, let's just be honest. We live in transactional relationships, tit for tat. You do, they do. Let me tell you what God's relationship to us is. When Jesus went and died on the cross, that was him saying, I choose you no matter what you do. I'm going to be faithful regardless of your unfaithfulness. I will always be here with arms wide open saying, I am here. I love you. I choose you. God is passionate for his church. Despite our unfaithfulness, he's continually faithful. Have you ever thought about the fact that God is passionate, passionate for you? And for some of you, that even is uncomfortable for you even thinking about because you have a kind of like human, jacked up, messed up view of what love is. But what this is simply saying is God is passionate for you. He is pursuing you. He wants to be in relationship with you, and he wants to be in relationship with his church. He's passionate for it, and he will not give up on it, y'all. As some of us give up on relationships, God isn't saying it's over. God is saying, I'm sticking it out. God is saying, I know right now you are a bunch of hypocrites. Right now you are individualists. Right now you are project self. Right now you feel powerless. But I am not giving up on the people that I passionately love. Because they were born to win. Second metaphor is a temple. You have a bride and a temple. And temple specifically speaks about God's presence. God, from the beginning of scripture, has longed to be, dwell in the midst of, to have presence with his people. You see, Adam, Eve, before sin, God was hanging out. It said his spirit hovered on the, like his spirit, like, it, like God was just with them with the cool of the day. His presence was with them. When sin came, his presence left. But then you see Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, you see God's presence was packed in a tent. It was packed in this whole tent. There was this whole process to be able to get into God's presence. You had to do all these cleanliness things, and you had to make sure you're wearing the right clothes, and you had to make sure you all you said the right stuff. And if you didn't, many people died because they, what, irreverently tried to go into a holy, the, the presence of a holy God. But then you see, whenever Jesus came, the presence went from out of a tent into, into incarnate flesh. Where he, where he said, what's up, y'all? I'm here. God is on the scene. The presence has left heaven. The presence has left the tent. And the presence is now here on planet Earth. And what did Jesus do? He came and lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you should have died in your place and for your sins. And now Jesus, what does he do? He's, Jesus is gone. He's out of here. He beat death, overcame it, resurrected ascended and now he is now at the right hand of the father what we see hebrews saying he now sits there interceding for us on our behalf so so now when we pray we pray to jesus 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 takes those prayers and goes to the to to the father so now jesus is our what high priest intermediary now when 
God the Father looks down. He doesn't just see us. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, he sees Christ's work that he did for us, not all of our bad works. That's what it is. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, Christ covers us to, to now Christ's work on the cross is now imputed to us. So now God the Father doesn't just see what we've done. He sees what Christ did. And that's what makes us pure and spotless. But now since Jesus is gone, God needed a place to put his presence. So now what did Jesus say? I'm going to leave with you before I go. I'm going to give you a counselor. I'm going to give you somebody to not just dwell around you. Y'all see where this is going? He said, now I gave you something that will dwell in you. He said, I will give you my Holy Spirit to be with you and dwell in you. So what is God looking for? He's looking for an empty vessel to fill. He's looking for people that will say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. 1 Corinthians 6 says this here. Do you not know that this is Paul? He's like, yo, question church. Give me your ears. Do you not know? That your bodies are, are temples of the Holy Now, the Holy Spirit isn't just some, like, church. The Holy Spirit's God, y'all. Are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What he's saying is, is that he wants a temple to Fill. He, he wants a, a vessel that he can come and fill up with his presence. And that's the thing. As God fills, up, it fills us up with his presence, we then go out into the world and be God's presence there. Check this out. This is what this, this actually means here. God is looking to fill the earth with his presence through the presence of his people in the world. I'm going to say that one more time. It's, it's Time Change Sunday and it's 59. God is looking to fill the earth with his presence through the presence of his people in the world. That is why we cannot pray, God, fill my workplace. Are you there? That it's filled. That's why we got to stop saying, put prayer back in schools. Some of y'all are like, what? We got to stop saying, put prayer back in schools. Why? If a Christian's in a school... They praying. Whenever we say, oh, prayer should be back in school, you know what you're doing? Victim mentality. Well, the church, you know, the Christians are just all poor people, and this is all the government's fault. No. Nope. If you are a Christ follower and you are in a school, the presence of God is there. You know what I say? I'm the walking presence. I go into one life, God, God's here. What's up, y'all? I'm not God. Y'all know that. God doesn't stutter. Right? But I tell you what, I walk into a, I don't know, rest, restaurant. God's, God, God's here. God's here. Walk into Kiln Creek, Regal. God's here. Why? Because God's in me. God's in you. What if you saw yourself as being filled with the very presence and power of God that wherever you go, you are walking, living, breathing revival? We say, God, please fill this place. Please, f He's here. Let's just acknowledge it. 
Let's ask God to make us more aware. Don't ask God to fill whatever place you want him to, work, job, family, if you don't recognize your part in that process. You are the presence. God is looking for a temple, a person to fill himself with. Everyone say, fill me. God is looking for someone to say, fill me. I got to hurry. Third, family. Family, this metaphor here, family. We got the, the one of a bride. We got the one of a temple. Third is a family. God's looking for a people. God's looking for a people that are so radically different from that out there that people are just like, holy smokes, they like really love each other. This is what Jesus said, John 13, 34 through 35. He said, a new command I give you is to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus came on the scene and Jesus was, was like, y'all, look, if you love people who love you, who that, even Pharisees do that. Even, tax, even sinners do, do that. But Jesus said, what I want you to do as a Christ follower, I want you to love those who don't love you. I want you to treat those well that don't treat you well back. Because if you just treat those well that treat you well, that's not change. That's normal. That's what everyone does. Normal people do that. But he's not calling us to be normal. He calls us to be abnormal like Christ-like love, which Christ died on the cross for you when you didn't even care. Christ went and spread his arms and died on the cross when you could care less. So he loved you at your worst. He loved you when you didn't deserve it. And that's the same kind of love that as a family, God calls us to. But listen, families have conflict. Don't, 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 uh, don't we? Any good family has plenty of conflict. The church included. If you've been in churches, conflict central. Why? Because there's people. People are complicated. People have multiple needs. People can sometimes not say what they need. Sometimes people can say too much about what they need, and they make it all about them. And, and it's like, so here's, here's the thing, right? We've got this big, complicated family called the church. And what unfortunately ends up happening is many times when people hit conflict in church, they bail. I mean, it, it is absolutely incredible, like, how many people just in this year or something that we've been going, like, just, dis, just disappear. Not, and we have no idea that we did something. And we probably did. <laughs> I probably didn't do something that I should have done. Maybe, maybe there was a certain need that was missed. Maybe there was something like that we didn't know. And, but then people are like, well, they didn't love me. They didn't, and, and it's like, we just didn't know. But typically this happens because we have jacked up families. Like home families that we've learned how to deal with conflict, whether right or wrong. You've got some people, if they have con conflict, they just bail. The relationship's good. It's all great. Oh, dang, we don't see things differently. Peace. I'm out. But this is not what a good family does. Because honestly, what ends up happening many times in the church is we become critics. Whenever we've been hurt or something like that, we can easily develop into being a critic. And when people see Christians bashing the church and criticizing their own, criticizing their own family, that just speaks to what kind of dysfunction do you have? I thought y'all were family. 
Y'all families fight well. And I want to ask you, not the, you know, I mean, I just want like, I guarantee in this church, we will fail you. At some case in point, we will not do something that possibly you expect us to do. You know, I mean, it's like, y'all, like, if we're going to be a family, we've got to, to say, we're just not in this for what we can get. We are in this for what we can give. And secondly, we're not going to bail when things get difficult, but we're going to go to the appropriate source and say, hey, can you help me understand why you said this, why you did this, why you didn't do, do this? And we'd be, it's a family, y'all. It's a family. But honestly, when we don't do that, when, when we don't take those sometimes confrontational steps, we become critics. I love Francis Chan, what he said there. Here, this was in his book, Letters to the Church. He said, we live in a culture today where we are used to evaluating and giving our opinion on everything. Amen? Whether it's the pizza we ate, Uber driver, movie we saw, friend's picture on social media, everything is set up for us to be able to critique and compare. So in the church, rather than marveling, marveling, y'all, Marveling at the incredible mystery that we are a part of God's body, we critique the leadership, the music, the programs, and anything else we can think of. We point out the flaws in our, in, 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 in our pastor's sermons. I know y'all don't do that. I know y'all are better than that. Uh, no, trust, trust me, please point them out. Those, pointing those things out helps, helps me grow, okay? So point them out. Send me emails, okay? Um, with the same conviction, we critique a movie star's acting or our favorite team's recent loss. Could it be that we are taking a sledgehammer to the temple and so doing? We've got to make sure, church, that if we mishandle conflict, that it doesn't turn into us being critics. In his book, Screwtape Letters, I'm not sure if you've ever read that book. It's by C.S. Lewis, the same guy that wrote, um, what's that one famous, Chronicles of Narnia. If you love that book, you will absolutely love this book. Check it out, Screwtape Letters. The concept of the book is simply this, where it's basically a story of a senior demon mentoring a junior demon. And And what he's doing is trying to say, how can you get into people's lives and make them stop serving God? It's really about spiritual warfare. What this says here what this one senior demon tells this junior demon. He says, surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster and connoisseur of churches. The search for a suitable church makes the man a critic where the enemy, God, wants him to be a pupil. And what that's simply saying, look, I know if you're brand new here, if this is your first time here, look, I know you want to find a church that where, here's the thing, where you feel comfortable, where, where you feel like the vision lines up with where you're at. But at the same time, we cannot take the posture of just saying we're going to be critics of everything. Instead of saying, does a church suit me, we say, we say this, is, the, is this a church a place where I can plug in and make a difference in the city, in the body, and be part of the family? Family, y'all, we are family. Lastly, we can have worship team come up. We can have Andy come up. Just, just you, Andy, right, right now. The final metaphor is that of a body. You have the bride, the temple, the family, and a body. And really, this right here is where it's about God's purpose, about what he's doing in the world. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 tells us this. 
Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Have you just marveled at that fact where if you're a Christian, you are a part of God's body? I'm so passionate uh, about this. Because, y'all, Jesus is gone. He's up in heaven chilling. I've said this multiple times. He's up in heaven chilling. And, and, and he has given the church the commission, the assignment to say, I'm going to use you to be my hands and my feet and my mouth and my resource to this world and through the church show the world who God is and what God's like. I don't know of a greater honor. But let's just be honest, many of us have taken that honor and turned it into a burden. And turned it into something where it's not we get to, it's we have to. And I think it's because we have a jaded view of God where, well, I've got to serve or God's going to hate me. I got to serve or God, you know, I got to give, I got to serve, I got to do this stuff or God's not going to like me. And it's really a fear-based love instead of a love-based love. Where you say, I've got to do these things for God to actually love me. Where it's, it's jacked up where you need to say, because God loves you, you, you do these things. And anything you do for God, you don't do it to earn his love. You're already loved. You do it from love, not for love. I love this quote here. Ronald Roheiser, he says this, a theist believes in a God in heaven, right? You've heard of theist, right? Theist is someone that believes in a generic God. Atheists don't believe in God at all. Atheists believe that God isn't real. A theist believes that there's a God out there somewhere, but a Christian believes in a God in heaven who is also physically present on this earth inside of human beings. God is still present, as physical and as real today as God was in the historical Jesus. God still has skin, human skin, and physically walks on this earth just as Jesus did. To pray, God, please help my neighbor cope with her financial problems, or God, do something about the homeless downtown, is the approach of a theist, not a Christian. God has chosen to express love and grace in the world through those of us who embody Christ. C.S. Lewis said this here. He said, God seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly, right, what he could do perfectly and in the twinkling of an eye. Will, Willie Mons says this here. The most eloquent testimony to the reality of the resurrection is not an empty tomb or a well-orchestrated pageant on Easter, but rather a group of people whose life is so radically different, so completely changed from the way the world builds a community that there can be no explanation other than that something decisive has happened in history. We are the, the church, the church, the worldwide church. We are the body, the little the literal physical representation of God on this planet, y'all. We're God's plan. That's crazy. If I was him, I'd have a different one. But I'm not God. But God has said through the church, through these broken, messed up, jacked up, unperfect people, I'm going to show my manifold wisdom, the goodness of who I am, through these broken people as they are made whole through the broken and shed blood and body of Jesus Christ. We are the body. 
And my prayer today is that you would know God chose you. You are chosen. I mean, just, just think about these four metaphors. God chooses you. He fills you. Gives you a family. And then you go and embody and represent him. I'll say that one more time. God chooses you. Fills you. Gives you a family. And then says, I want you to represent me. What an honor, y'all. That's the church. That is what the church is called to be. And my prayer is all the things we talked about earlier of what, what has been. And I believe some of you are dwelling on what has been. And it's keeping you, it's jading the future potential in your life because of what you experienced in the past. And so possibly right now, it's hard for you to see the church as a bride, as a temple, as a family, and as a body because you only see it as being an abuser. But my prayer is through the power of the Holy Spirit today that you would see the church. You would see God, first off, God, see, see here's the thing. It is also individual, but also corporate. God chooses you, not just us. Chooses you, fills you, gives you a family and then ask you to go and be his hands and his feet and then as we collectively come together as all these ragtag crazy people we come together and embody to this world this is what God is this is what God's like and y'all my prayer today is that what can be would be stronger than what has been your vision for the church by the power of the Holy Spirit right now that God would give you a renewed vision passion sacredness for the church of Jesus Christ. And that it would inspire us to say, okay, this is the vision. How can I get in? How can I fit? Would you all stand with me, church? What can be must be stronger than what has been. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're gonna be closing here in just a few seconds. I'm gonna have prayer teams, if they could come forward. every about every eye closed really really quick every single week we give the opportunity man where if if you kind of hear about this whole talk about being in God's family maybe you say John I'm I'm not a Christ follower but today I want to become one I, I want to give my life to Christ maybe you've you follow Jesus and then you've fallen off but you say John today is my day for a fresh start today is my day to come back to come back home I've fallen off, and today I want to come back home. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just want to create a time of privacy right now. If you would just say, John, today I want to give my life to Christ. I want to receive what Christ did for me. You talked about him dying on the cross. Yes, that was for you in your place and for your sins to bring you closer to God. So, so then from that act, you can have access to the very presence of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, John, today I want to receive Christ into my life. I want to be a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna ask you just to take two, two simple steps. The first one's this. I just want you right now, when I count to three, just say yes. Just say yes. You can say it out loud, in your heart, whatever. Just say yes, I wanna be a follower of Jesus. Ready, one, two, three, just say yes. And through you saying yes, I believe that God heard you. He sees the posture of your heart. 
and God has been knocking and now you open the door and you've said, Jesus, come on in. Now, what am I asking you to do right, right, right now? If you said yes, just to say a simple prayer with me really, really quick. I'm gonna, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask everyone here to join in with me. And they're gonna say that, and they're gonna say that prayer with you. Would everybody repeat after me? Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sin. And today I receive you. I receive your forgiveness of sins. I receive your love. And I receive your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lifehouse fam, can we give it up for all those that said yes and said that prayer today for the first time? Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.